ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Good evening, welcome to Dynasty Junkies episode 145, proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, DAP Network if you will, and we will. This is your man Scott Sidlow on the mic tonight, and uh, we had Mr. Rocky Petrella pull rank when he found out who the guest was for tonight, so we had to switch up that schedule and and get rocky on here so <laughs> rocky uh and then he almost and then he almost had a dip he was gonna pull a russ on us so you know all good but he fought through it he's he's playing hurt but uh we appreciate it so happy to be here tonight with me in the a chair and you in the b chair rocky so that's different for us yeah i'm i've been a little under the weather recently uh but was a little iffy but i i, I toughed it out i'm here i'm showing up doing my job and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love, I love talking to Tommy. We had him on Trade Addicts recently. Really smart guy. So looking forward to tonight. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is a show we've we've been looking forward to for sure. Um, so at FF Tommy B on Twitter, uh, Tommy, say hello to the folks. And uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. Yeah, I am Tommy Blair at FFTommyB. Um, you can find me there on Twitter. You can also find me in the Pringles division of Scott Fishbowl. I just got my uh, email today, so super pumped about that. Um, looking forward to doing another year. This will be my second one. I am a energy uh, analyst, energy engineer, so that's the mentality that I bring to fantasy. I bring a lot of outside best practices and concepts and hopefully different ideas to the fantasy space. Um, I'm not writing for anybody or podcasting for anybody. I just love talking fantasy. So I'm super appreciative of y'all letting me on the uh, Junkies podcast today. And speaking of Russ, happy birthday, Outhouse. Today's yes. birthday. We owe you a shout out. Um, thanks for the invite. Today, Papa too. Russ. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's uh, obviously we've been in a couple leagues together and kind of interacted here and there. But then uh, when I heard you on trade addicts, I was like, yeah, we, we need to get this guy on. <laughs> I love, I love what he's talking about. I love what he's doing. It's, it reminds me a lot of me like three years ago, right. Where I was on trade addicts and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, you're kind of asking different questions and doing different things. And like, how do we do that when everything seems to be such an echo chamber? Right. So um, that's, I mean, that's how we get better. Right. So frankly, uh, that's what I'm all about. Um, so yeah, I mean, in lieu of like news or anything this time of year, definitely want to, uh, just maybe talk a little game theory, game strategy before we get into our 
AFC running back breakdown. So what we're going to do is positional groups by conference over the next eight weeks. And uh, tonight we are basically letting our guests choose um, unless they don't, then we'll just give them one. But Tommy did choose. So uh, AFC running back. So we'll be going through those a little bit um, later on. And then of course we have our find me a trade to close out the show. Um, but first uh, Tommy and I have been talking a little bit about, you know, game theory, strategy, some different things. And the nice, the nice thing about the three of us in particular is we all play in a lot of leagues, but we all play very differently. And so I think that's good for the listeners to hear whether they play in two leagues or six leagues or 45 leagues, um, you know, just some different theories and, and different strategy to put into practice. Um, you know, the portfolio thing is kind of becoming, you know, in vogue, I suppose, like everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a portfolio player now. Right. Um, and some of us do it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier and I would say like Scott Connor is probably the 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 poster child for um, portfolio. Right. Like he he's the he knows how to do it. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to communicate what he's doing and what you should be doing. And I mean, that's, that's huge too, because half the time I can't, I can like see it or think it or do it, but communicating it is a, is a big deal too. So obviously that's why we, we love Scott and listen to him and read him. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we, we just get a little too caught up in the echo chamber of, you know, oh, everybody should be doing this. Everybody should be doing that. Buys, sells, whatever. And I know we try to do a good job on this show of getting away from specific players and talking more about, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about players here and there, but more about strategy and thought process and how to put things together. So uh, the first thing I want to start with is, you know, Tommy talking about like the anti-portfolio player or just playing against them um and and some of the different things you can do so could you just talk about your experience a little bit of what you're seeing in some of your leagues and um if there's anything specific you want to bring up that you're like hey how do i counter this or this is what i've been trying you know things like that yeah i think this is an awesome topic um first things first i would like to zoom way back if we could I think the temptation for a lot of dynasty managers, especially newer ones, is to focus on players that they're trying to acquire uh, or draft or sell or trade. Ultimately, that's not what fantasy football is, especially dynasty fantasy football. This is a game of adapting to different markets in ways that are more efficient or more aggressive than your league mates. There's a larger community that is Dynasty Fantasy Football, and we come up with things like ADP, which are really helpful. We come up with things like trade calculators, which are great guideposts. But what Dynasty Fantasy Football boils down to is you against nine other managers or 11 other managers or 13, however big your league is, um, and how you are able to take advantage of either their hidden biases or their following of the general market in inefficient ways. And so if you think about it in that way, it's no different than chess or the TV show Survivor or any other game. 
what you need to do is you need to think in those types of ways where you're no longer looking at A.J. Brown, the player. He's an awesome football player. I love watching him play football. I have a lot of him in, in Dynasty, but I don't think of him as the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver. I think of him as an asset that looks a lot like other assets, um, whether it's cross-positional. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's He's binned in a certain bucket, right? And once you think about it that way, it is radically different in the way that you approach the game. So let's talk about the general dynasty market, if we can, for a second. Um, I think that there are a lot of casual players. Um, I was one at one point. I'm now in 18 leagues, which isn't as much as y'all, but it is quite a few leagues. I get a, a reasonable amount of trade offers. I've got two in my inbox right now. I send out quite a few. I'm, I'm pretty active and I get a decent pulse of what my leagues are doing and I think what the general dynasty community is doing. Um, and with that comes an ability to influence in ways that maybe move beyond the general market um, in, in ways that are similar to a portfolio player. But what a portfolio player does, in my opinion, and I want to open it up to you, especially Scott, because I think you and I differ on this. A portfolio player seeks out efficiency. And as an energy engineer, that is my trade. I, I find ways to make things more efficient. However, in Dynasty Fantasy Football, making markets less efficient, more volatile, uh, or even breaking markets at certain points can cause advantageous situations because you know you are doing the breaking of those markets. And so by dramatically changing uh, the way a dynasty league operates, by the way that you're acting, you can stay one or two steps ahead of your competition, especially folks that are seeking efficiency because you're creating uh, direct uh, inefficiencies within the market that are problematic for somebody in 50 leagues. Scott, you're muted or something. Tommy's just the, the fourth host of the show now. So that's... <laughs> I know, that's man. Um, yeah, I love that. I love all of that. Uh, and taking a step back there to kind of to start with that was great. Um, yeah, so I want to I wanna kind of jump into an example like you were on Superflex Super Show with John Hogue, right? and talking about gathering all the quarterbacks um you know something like that however that's a strategy that i certainly employ myself mm -hmm. um i also generally generally rebuild through quarterback meaning i will draft basically nothing but quarterbacks for like two or three years and then just figure it out um so is but could that be an example of breaking that efficiency in a way if you're if you're not just saying like hey uh, I'm going to follow this, this outline, this strategy and okay, here's my set. It's, you know, 12 team PPR, tight end premium, whatever. Right. Um, so this is what I should be doing. This is how many receivers I should have. And this is how many tight ends I should have. And this is how much capital I should utilize on each one. Um, but if I'm just going crazy on quarterback where I have 13 quarterbacks and, you know, like six starters, and maybe a couple bridge or high-end backups, and you know it's only a 35-man roster. Isn't that a way to create some inefficiency or like uh, kind of essentially upend the market on that? Because now you have more than not only the average, but 
you probably are screwing two or three teams out of even having three starters at that point. Yeah, I think that's a very macro view of this. However, I think taking a micro approach is maybe even more important. Um, okay. This is something being in 18 leagues, it seems like a lot to somebody who may be in two or three leagues right now. They may say like, how, how do you, how do you have the time to dedicate to that? Well, I have processes in place, but it's not that much more really once you get to a certain number. Um, I don't need any more leagues, that's for sure. Um, but I'm able to look at all of my league mates and take advantage of their individual biases. So hoarding all of the quarterbacks isn't going to work in every league. That's a portfolio right. macro okay. thought. I prefer okay. to take micro approaches. I prefer to look at transaction history over the past several years if this is an existing league. I prefer to look at the uh, trades that were offered to me. And you I, do prefer orphans over startups, right? So that is something you dive into um, yep. generally when you're taking over a team. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm decent at startups. It's not that I'm bad at yeah. um, I Here's the thing. When you're, when you're drafting teams in a startup, when you're building teams, you can either draft better than everybody else and trade better than everybody else you can pick better players. You can have better injury luck. That's a really hard thing to do against yeah. 11 other people. I prefer not to do that. What I am doing is theoretically more efficient by leaning in other directions, by finding what other people are doing and allowing that momentum to carry them into inopportune situations to where they realize a few months down the line, a few years down the line that, oh no, how does he have the top five tight ends in a tight end premium. How did we let that happen? And the, the approach that people do to counter that is, well, just don't trade with this guy. And, and right. my thought when I hear that is, okay, I'll take the, the top five tight ends. That is not a problem to me. I did it intentionally. I did this to you and now you have to live with it and you have to overdraft tight ends and you have to bank on all these tight ends that are never going to hit, that are just a, a hope and a prayer Meanwhile, I'm just bludgeoning you, you know, 24 up points value. per game tight end premium. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Rocky, um, since you're kind of uh, in between, a lot a lot of um, obviously what Tommy talked with uh, John about on Superflex Super Show was quarterback driven because of John's philosophies. And we've had him on here. John's and, crazy uh, philosophies. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um but I mean, you know, generally based on my experience, I tend to lean that way too. But I think it's kind of interesting what, what Tommy's saying. So I think you you kind of do what Tommy's saying, though. I From was the just going to say, like, like you, I was going to say, maybe what you I do don't is, like... to me, is exploiting an inefficiency that yeah. I think a lot of other, and I know a lot of, like you, Scott, would probably disagree with me, but I think that quarterbacks, especially like, it's, I think even more so before, like the, everyone values the high end quarterbacks now, but like four or five years ago, it was even more so like just any quarterback was like worth. A, we talk about it all the time on, on both podcasts. I do that used to be any quarterback was worth a first, like any starting quarterback. And I just thought people were overvaluing quarterbacks 
And there's so many quarterbacks that you can get. You're not going to get Patrick Mahomes points out of, but you can get substantial points out of that aren't going to be valued the way they should be. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, has been like, now he's finally getting his due, like at 34 or whatever it is. Um, people are actually kind of valuing him a little, but there's always guys like that. And that's what I've been, again, I know a lot of people would say that, you know, the, the value of the quarterbacks is more important. So I guess my inefficiency maybe is more points-based, I guess, because I'm not, I'm getting the lower value guys and getting points out of them so that I can bulk up the rest of my roster. And that's a that's an approach that suits your team. And I think that's a totally viable approach. And I think that that's a winning approach. However, what I'm trying to do is counter a very efficient process, that being portfolio play. Um, I think that it is right now the dominant strategy based on what I've seen in my leagues. I've, I've used it to some degree in the past. Um, and choosing undervalued players right now is not countering a portfolio strategy effectively enough, in my opinion. I think that being extreme, truly extreme um, in the way that you build your team and you approach your league dynamics is a way to counter uh, what is currently the dominant strategy. And if and when that changes, then clearly uh, being extreme may not be an efficient counter. But right now it feels like something that at least one person in every league should be attempting. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, we have uh, recovered Ridley Truther in the chat here. Um, just talking about the, the late round quarterback. We had so many of those, you know, great quarterbacks that played for so long. And I think, um, you know, J Mike had a great response. The scarcity hasn't, you know, the scarcity hasn't changed, but like the names have. Right. And so the difference maker tier is still that elite group. And, um, you know, we just have some different names up there, but the longevity of some of those guys is what made Rocky's strategy very viable because he could always just keep going. You know, how many times do we say, Oh, this is definitely Eli's last year. This is definitely rivers last year. This is definitely Ben's last year. This is definitely Brady's last year. And these guys just, not only do they keep going, but they kept producing too. I mean, Big Ben had like a QB two or QB three season, you know, not not that long ago, three or four years ago now. So, um, I mean, like the QB two, um, I think it was actually I think that was four or five years ago now. But I remember having him and uh, Andrew Luck and just like smashing my league and I didn't really have anything else. <laughs> just those two and just like fill in random guys, um, you know, and just OK, here we go. So, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, though, that now with the changes that we have there's so much there seems to be so much more uncertainty with the young guys even though i think they they do get their opportunities um but like what's really different between like kenny pickett and eli manning i mean how much different are those guys they you know they're they're your pocket passers they're not really scrambling i mean pickett maybe can move a little bit but he's not really getting you rushing yards um you know he's on a good team good organization good weapons around him um, but I feel like, you know, Eli Manning was just, you, he was nothing ever. You could just always get him and always start him. You could always put him in that super flex spot when you needed to. And same thing with guys like big Ben and some of the aforementioned guys. Uh, but now it just feels more like the haves and have nots. You know, if you don't have like one of Allen or Mahomes or Hertz or just at least one of those top guys, and then maybe a, a second, you know, top eight or top 10 guy. 
uh, that you're really struggling with that super flex spot. So what I'm curious about from Tommy is to hear if you've looked at, you know, some of the positional advantages and some of the points per game and things like that. Do you look at that to try to take advantage of uh, some of those inefficiencies or create those inefficiencies? Like, have you said, hey, I don't need to worry about, you know, X because I can make up for it in other places? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started playing Dynasty, um, I went heavy at the wide receivers and I was rostering seven to 10 of the top 24 dynasty wide receivers, which felt fantastic. And my thought was, well, I'm just going to beat the heck out of everybody because I'm going to pick the good matchups. Um, I'm going to have the top wide receivers. I've created a market deficiency for other people at their wide receiver two and three spots. But the truth was I couldn't predict it. I was killing myself. Uh, I honestly would have scored more points per game on a seasonal basis if I had just started the same four wide receivers or three wide receivers all year and left the rest of them on my bench because it's such a, a variable scoring position. And so once I, you know, learned that tough lesson, I went as lean as I could into wide receiver, knowing that there are weeks when Mike Evans isn't going to score that many points. And there are six or seven weeks where Mike Evans isn't going to score that many points. But guess what? In the championship, he scored me a whole ton of points. And I kept starting him because he was my wide receiver three. That's all I had there. And I just kept going with it because I had leaned into, these are even in non-tight end premium formats. I had leaned into Mark Andrews. I had leaned into Dallas Goddard. I had leaned into uh, Kyle Pitts, um, which still may or may not work out. And I had leaned into the quarterback position because I knew that if I rostered a whole ton of running backs, I'd have some starts there. I knew if I rostered as few wide receivers as possible, I wouldn't have those decisions to make. And I would smooth out some of the variance because variance doesn't really matter if you start the same people every week. It really doesn't at the wide receiver position. If you get the wide receiver 14, it doesn't matter if he scored six points in week two and 25 points in week 11. Over the course of the season, all that matters is, did you score points? It's like 95% of the equation when it comes to your win total is, did you score points? And so I'm removing some of that frustration. I'm removing some of the uh, downside, some of the risk of having a whole bunch of wide receivers on my team by just not carrying very many and by spending all of that value in the places where it really matters. Because if you look at the points per game totals, Right now, we're on the precipice of something potentially terrifying for people in Superflex leagues. This is the first time in five or six years where we've had three quarterbacks score over 26 points per game. And that is an insane number. If you have two of those, if you have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, you can almost get to the playoffs just on those two and replacement level players everywhere else. If you have those two and you have Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews in your tight end position, you have probably a buy team. I think you're on mute again. I know. Scott keeps being muted. I don't know what he's doing. but <laughs> uh, It's funny that you're uh, just, we just started the DDCL draft and you're describing my exact roster there of uh, Allen and Mahomes and Andrews. And so, yeah, the rest of my team is not very good, but having, having all that is pretty much mm -hmm. carried me to the playoffs every year and a couple of uh, one-point losses in championships, so that's fun. Um, 
Okay, so do you have, you're talking about getting lean on receivers, which is definitely something we've talked about here with threshold receivers and not worrying about the guys that you can't predict when they're going to score points. You're just going to say, hey, here's my four or five, and I'm going to start these three guys other than, you know, buys or injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have a specific roster build that you're trying to accomplish? Or are you saying that like each league, you know, it's going to vary because I'm going to, I'm going to try to create the inefficiency that isn't going to try to create the inefficiencies in the market. Right. So each league is going to look different because I don't necessarily care about the names. I'm just trying to, you know, uh, corner the market on one position or, you know, screw up two teams that are, already doing that or, you know, whatever the scenario may be. It's both really. I mean, we all still want to try to pick the right players. Even when we're playing in 40 leagues, we would still love to be right about Deontay Johnson. Let's say we could say he's undervalued. You should get him. He will score more than two touchdowns this year. Um, So everybody I think should still try to do that, but that is a losing bet. If you're trying to have a one in 12 outcome. So do that, try to gain value, but it truly is a league by league thing. Um, And it's also a a, a format and settings um, equation as well, because a start 12 is very different than a start eight. A 12 team is very different than a start 10. And so pressuring uh, the different dynasty markets can be more challenging with some of these formats, right? And so you have to take it even more extreme. Let's say you're in a 12-team start eight, one QB without tight end premiums. How do you influence that market if you're starting one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex, right? Well, what I would do is I would literally only roster three wide receivers. I would literally only roster one quarterback. I would only roster one tight end. And I would roster as many running backs as I could. So if I had a 26-man roster, I'd have something like 22 running backs. And people would be more than happy to trade me Tyler Boyd if one of my receivers gets hurt or there isn't something on the on the waiver wire when I have a buy. And then I would just I would cut them so someone else would spend fab on Tyler Boyd and I would pick up Craig Reynolds. You know, I would just keep doing that type of thing where people are wondering what the heck you're doing because I would be the most extreme roster build in any given league. Interesting. And then that gives you the advantage because then, you know, when your clarified starts are coming, you could say, okay, well, this guy is going to score zero points 13 times a year. But you know, when he gets those three opportunities, he's going to probably at least equal or uh, maybe even give you an advantage over anybody else's RB2 or, or flex or whatever it may be that week. So that's that's really interesting in going, um, not QB extreme, but like uh, <laughs> roster uh, requirement extreme. That's <laughs> what I'll call that. So yeah. that's that's really interesting. Um, Rocky, it's also I, a value churn too, if you think about it. Right, you don't have to know that Elijah Mitchell is going to hit because you're just rostering all the Elijah Mitchells, and then when they do hit, then you flip them for more value. And you have an extra second and a third that you can throw at a wide receiver if you really do get into trouble. You know, it's it's self-propelling in a very robust way. Yeah, very interesting. That's very interesting. Um, I'm definitely going to have to try a couple uh, here where I've already started clearing out a, a couple of rosters of like pretty much all my receivers. Um, and, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can get that extreme, but we'll kind of see how it comes together. It might be might be an interesting uh, uh, way to try a you know a competitive roster where you have maybe like Allen and Mahomes right in a super flex, and then you could just say, okay, give me four wide receivers, and I'm gonna roster the rest of running backs, right? Yeah. Um, Rocky, I want you to jump in here and get, give me your thoughts on. Like, I think it makes sense of you almost already play this way, right? That's kind of what we were touching on before is like, you don't necessarily say like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do, but that it is what you do essentially. Um, have you found that your success has changed at all over the last couple of years based on some of these older quarterbacks retiring or, you know, becoming essentially Matt Ryan, right? Like, you could you could use Matt Ryan as a QB two anytime or your QB three fill in guy over the past few years, um, but not so much the last couple of years now. So without some of those guys, are you finding that you're now having to trade for quarterbacks or take gambles on getting like a Kenny? Obviously, I, I know Kenny Pickett's. You don't like Kenny Pickett, right? So you're not <laughs> going to be using a first round pick on him. So does that mean how else are you trying to attack that to be able to fill it out? Because I've seen a couple of your rosters where you had two quarterbacks and then all of a sudden you had none because of you know retirements or things like that, right? And we all I, I we all have too much Brady, yeah. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So so what do you do then? What do you how do you fix that? Uh, well, I, I with. In a rebuild, but you kind of mentioned this earlier, Scott. In a rebuild, I will lean into the value and I will pay up for higher quarterbacks, or I will draft them very early uh, in in rookie drafts. Uh, for instance, in the Tech Mobile League, we're both in. I yeah. recently uh, acquired, I think, Tyler, uh, Kyler, and uh, Tua. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, after I, that was one of those leagues, I think, where I lost a Brady or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think and I traded him away values. at the end of last year when I, my team wasn't doing very well. And those were good value buys, so that makes exactly sense. that yeah. too. Okay. And I, I do think too, like I know you mentioned also too earlier the the fact that there's we only have or it might have been Tommy that we only have like three or four like really high scoring quarterback. We have three or four guys that are separated from the rest. To me, that just kind of strengthens what I'm doing because then it's everybody like after if you don't have two of those three or four guys and they're separated among teams and then everybody else is like almost in a one giant bucket after those top four to me. Like, obviously, there's definitely lower tier players in there, but the fact that like from five on is like I, I have a, the trade addict scoring up and I mean, from like five to to like 20 is like only like three points per game. Uh, so like, and I generally tend, I generally tend to target certain players too. I don't just like grab any old guy off the street, you know, <laughs> any old guy that I can find that started. I, Matt Ryan was actually not a guy I generally had a lot of because he didn't have the upside of, of some of these other guys, like, like the really old guys that have all retired now, like a breeze or a, a, a Ben or whatever. And, it's not just that I go for um, cheap guys. Uh, that's often, I think, misinterpreted when I talk yeah. about this. Mm -hmm. It's I often go for undervalued guys. Like I have like a decent amount of hurts because I was acquiring him last year when he was like QB 10, 11, 12, because I, I'm not going to say I saw him being the second the runner up to mvp and and you did putting you predicted up, everything <laughs> <laughs> but i saw the, a, a jump being possibly made and, and i definitely thought there was more there and i thought he was being way undervalued at, at 10 11 12 
so I don't even remember what original question I was answering now. I've gotten so far off track. But that's basically what I do. Is like it's not just un- it's not just cheap guys. It's undervalued guys. And uh, I like I said, the fact that there's so many guys that are just kind of I don't I don't think it's that much harder to do what I do now. Like just because there's so many guys that are just kind of like all the same, like from five to 15, 16, 17 is so close anyway that I can make up those points. As long as you don't have, like you have said, you have Allen and Mahomes. Most people don't have Allen and Mahomes. Um, And uh, a lot of times, I guess, I guess not in DDCL for you, but a lot of times if you do, uh, yeah, the rest of your roster might not be that great. And I feel like Maybe I won't make it up. Uh, maybe you'll score more points than me, but I think I think I can make it so that it'll be close with the with the, what I'm going to do with the rest of my roster, uh, even with Alma Holmes. Unless, like you said, unless you're really killing it and you're just, as Tommy said, exploiting all sorts of inefficiencies and you just build this monster roster. And uh, even with Alma Holmes, but in my experience, that's not done very often. Like it does happen. Obviously, good players, smart players can do that, and I just. Part of it to me is it's just easier to do what I do, like to get a lot of players at the other positions, take the court. And, and, and it's not always as hard to purchase quarterbacks as people make it out to be. Like I hear that all the time. Hogue would like to say that to me or, or people act like, you you know, I'm going to hold the quarterbacks hostage. Well, I'll get them off the other guy who's rebuilding then and doesn't want his Aaron Rodgers anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have five guys, but you, this guy has Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I'll just grab him. So uh, yeah, so that's basically how it works for me. Is I I think it's still a very viable strategy now, and I still think I still feel like I, like I, like we said back last time I was talking about this is I still feel you can exploit that inefficiency. I still think it's obviously quarterbacks are very important in superflex, but I just still think there's sort of like this the fact that they're excuse me <coughs> um, just like given godlike status. To those, you know, because of those four guys, basically, and then uh, uh, there's still so much you can do without those four guys, in my opinion. Can I respond to that one? Yeah, absolutely. So the imagery that was coming to mind when I was thinking about your philosophy, which certainly works, um, is buckets, right? So the Patrick Mahomes bucket is massive, right? And it's watertight and it's going to carry water for years. The buckets that you're purchasing in this market have small holes in them, some bigger holes than others. And you're pouring resources into those buckets to maintain a similar or competitive level of water that I am. My philosophy behind that is that I can get the same value for Patrick Mahomes in six years that I can get today. And so I no longer have to fill that bucket for this extended period of time to where I can fill other buckets. I can fill tight end buckets, running back, wide receiver buckets, less premium positions potentially with the insulated production and market value of these elite quarterbacks, because I know that they're going to repeat this year over year for some unknown period of time. I know everyone says this is a 10 year quarterback for me when I draft them or when I trade for them, that's, that's not true. But if we think about the true elites, if we think about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, probably Herbert and Hertz, like the very select few, 
we know they're going to be good for a while. Um, and you push the value elsewhere or wherever you want to, instead of continuously adding water to the Kirk Cousins bucket. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, visual, right? It's a, it's a good way to look at it, to kind of just think outside the box a little bit more than just names and, and rosters. And um, so, yeah, I really, I really like that visualization. And I mean, essentially, that's how I think of it too, right? Is I, um, the DDCL, how that works is it's, it's four divisions, 48 teams. So it's uh, four copies. And I did a startup. I was not in the league originally, but they started, I think, as a 36 team and then added 12 or maybe it's 24 and 12 and 12, something like that. Um, but in my startup, it was just our 12 teams and we were just drafting like a normal startup. And so my philosophy was I'm going to go get Allen and Mahomes and I'm just never going to worry about it. And I'll just figure everything else out. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of the the crux of my philosophy from that standpoint. But I mean, I've, I've seen Rocky do it. I know it works for him. Uh, and I've, I've just seen many examples though, where having those quarterbacks is, I mean, that's easier for me to manage maybe. So maybe that's why I lean more that way because I don't have to think about it or worry about it or fix it or fill that bucket or, you know, uh, anything like that. So I think that makes sense maybe for me, just because of all, all the links I'm in and trying to manage them all. Um, okay. So Tommy, is there, is there anything else you wanted to bring up here before we jump into our, uh, AFC running back breakdown? I've got to say, I'm pumped about talking about running backs. Right. I, I can talk about this. You know, I, I love this type of discussion. Um, if there's a future podcast where you need someone oh, yeah. to fill in, we could talk no about doubt. it. No doubt. Um, let's talk about running backs though. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, um, Essentially, we just want to look at this from a different standpoint, just trying to do things a little bit differently here than everyone else. Uh, we did divisions um, through kind of the late winter there. Um, and so, again, just a different way of looking at it, going by conference, by position, um, just kind of really interesting when you look at the haves and have nots. Uh, speaking of like quarterbacks, AFC, NFC, that's a pretty wild disparity there. Um, I'm going to just run through May ADP here from, from DLF on just the running back position. So uh, Jonathan Taylor, RB2, Brees Hall, RB4, Travis Etienne, 8, uh, 9, Eckler, 10, Jacobs, 11, Najee Harris, um, which by the way, it's Najee. It's not Najee. We're not making French porn here. His name is Najee, okay? Um, running back 13, Ramondre Stevenson. 14, Chubb, 15, Dobbins, 16, Javante Williams, 17, Derrick Henry, um, 20, Damian Pierce, 21, Joe Mixon, 27, Pacheco, 28, Devin A. Chain, 29, James Cook, and 36, Tajay Spears. So you have, uh, what, five top 10, six top 11, uh, eight top 14, 10, 11 top 17 running backs are in the AFC. So that's that's uh that's pretty that's pretty impressive and Jay Mike that that is uh that is an incredible comment. Thank you for that, sir. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> Jay Mike, uh the stand-in comedian for tonight. So we appreciate you, man. 
you know, I kind of want to look through this list here. Um, look at maybe some values. I know we just got done talking about how we don't talk about players and now we're going to talk about players. So <laughs> we are just hypocrites over here at the junkies. Don't worry about it. All right. Just maybe listen to one part of the show at a time and, and just, you know, don't connect him. Okay. Um, but Rocky, I'll jump over to you first. See if uh, any of these names jump out to you. Um, you know, let's talk about maybe somebody who's uh, overvalued right now. Uh, yeah, I was hoping you were going to say that because there was a name that jumped out. So, ETN at RB8 seems pretty high to me. Like yeah. he, he got a lot of work towards the end of last year, um, but a lot of that was because there wasn't anything else there, especially after they traded away James Robinson. I think uh, somebody got uh, a couple guys, the, the, the weak backups uh, got hurt there. And it was basically his show, and, and he did well, and I expect him to do well. I've kind of turned around a bit on him. Like, I, I did not like him that much as a rookie, uh, and uh, I, I acknowledge he's a solid player, but I just – RB8's a little too too far of a stretch for me. I, I think Tank is going to come in and have a role, uh, I think maybe more so than people think. And Doug Peterson historically has always liked to rotate running backs anyway, so – I think last year, and especially the second half of last year, maybe peak Travis Etienne as a, as a fantasy running back. He, I think he's still going to be a very good player, but I, I just don't think the volume is going to be there as much as it was. It helps that it looks like he's going to be in a pretty good offense. Lawrence did uh, make that leap after he got Urban Meyer off his back. Uh, so uh, I just don't I just don't expect what we saw at the end of last year. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, I agree. I think opportunities could become more premium in that offense as it grows. Um, I think that it's an intriguing offense. However, if you just look at base rates, it's not something that is likely to be a winning bet. Um, I was fascinated by looking at just these three different groupings of running backs, in my opinion, there's sort of a top third uh, ending at Josh Jacobs, a middle third ending somewhere between Javante Williams and Derrick Henry, and then a bottom third. I don't want necessarily the top third of running backs on this ADP. Um, It's not that I don't like them. It's I think I get better value if I tear down to, Najee Harris, let's say, um, or Nick Chubb or J.K. Dobbins or Derrick Henry. I think that there are really interesting opportunities to move around within these three tiers that I see. And I was hoping that maybe we could talk about that as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That's (laughs) what I was going to say, essentially uh, goes right along with that. But basically what I would say is if you look at this list, would you be shocked if like any of those top four or five names are like not on this list next year at this time next year? Or I mean, essentially just further down the list, right? Like I, you know, whether it's age or injury or situation, um, you know, I would not be surprised at all. And just the general nature of the position, right? We know, we know what it's like uh, training those running backs. So yeah, I, I would almost say like anybody above, Naji at this point would be uh overvalued to me or at least just somebody that i'm not necessarily interested in adding um interestingly enough i was pulling up my roster ship and 
Uh, I have eight shares of Brees Hall, and I have no idea how that happened. I don't think I've ever rostered that many of a um, – I mean, certainly I've had, you know, uh, 35 Jalen Samuels or something like that. You know, guys I picked up off waivers, right, that, you know, whatever didn't cost me anything. Um, but to have that many Brees Hall is um, – is is a little concerning for me and the fact that i can't really sell right now for what i want to right i almost gotta wait to see maybe there'll be some uh you know some videos of jumping out of a pool or something later this summer that i can i can use to to get near that peak value um i i just pulled up a couple uh recent trades here because you you mentioned etn which was the first name that popped out to me too rocky uh, even though I want a piece of that offense, it just seems like his value, um, you know, the, and these trades are all post draft. So apparently these people don't think Bigsby is, is, uh, you know, an issue, but ETN straight up for Drake London. I mean, that's, that's really not even close for me. I'll, I'll take London. All yeah. Day. I'm not even a London guy and I would take London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ETN for Jamison Williams in a 24 second, um, that I could, C makes yeah. a little more sense because of the suspension and everything, but probably still taking the receiver and pick there. Um, ETN for 107 straight up, probably going to take the 107. Um, and then ETN in a second, a 24 second for the 104, 205, and 302. And I mean, again, just give me give me all those picks and I'll, I'll figure something else out. So, um, you know, as far as some of those smaller trades there, uh, you know, for me, it's not even close. I'm going to probably go the other side with all of those. Um, I would say the only the only other thing, you know, Eckler concerns me a little bit because of the offensive changes. So yeah. I know they don't really have, you know, they keep drafting all these running backs, Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller and all these guys, and they, they just never seem to work out. Um, so I think Eckler's obviously going to get a lot of work and he's still going to catch passes. I just don't think he's going to approach what he's done in the past. So, um, I just sold one share that I don't have many, but I, I sold one just because I wanted to get out like desperately just get out before it's too late or, and, or before I forgot about it because of it's, you know, one of my 45 leagues. Um, and I d- basically got crushed in the chat for, <laughs> it's a bad trade, but listen, whatever, I'd rather get out. Cause a year from now that I don't think that trade's going to look so bad. So, um, I'm going to go, I'll start us off the other way here. It's kind of interesting. And again, we're only looking at AFC. Um, but these, these rookie running backs are kind of irrelevant essentially uh you know what 28 and 36 there with with a chain and spears so um you know that's kind of interesting could be some buy opportunities depending on what what those prices look like uh but james cook is a guy i'm i'm curious of so tommy when you say like i'm gonna load up on all these uh you know i when i think of like uh, like a Chris Rodriguez is a great example to me because he's not special. I don't even think he's good in any way. Like I didn't think he would even maybe get drafted. Okay. Um, we know exactly what he is. Like he's not a pass catcher, but we know his role. We know his exact role. So like, that's a guy that like five, a 40 man roster, 
he can just he can be there because if like Brian Robinson gets hurt or whatever, that I know exactly what I'm getting out of him. Um, a James Cook though, not necessarily going to be the case. Like you're not necessarily going to know when to start him. Uh, so to me, does he? My question to you is, does he fall into that category of like, yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to roster 25 running backs, so I I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, or do you try to maybe avoid those type of guys? Yeah, I look at a couple different things. Um, I like my backup running backs to be over 215 pounds or under 200 pounds. I also like them to be good at pass protection. If you're good at those things, I really want you. And the reason being, if you're big, you're probably not as good as the starter, but you can do the things that the starter can do um, in a pinch. So they'll give you... 10 plus carries. If the starter gets hurt, if you're 218 pounds and they're rostering you and you're the backup, those are the opportunities that I look up, I look for. I call that a clarified start in that case, right? If you're really small and you're rostered and you're active on game day, the starter gets hurt, it's pretty likely that you're going to catch a few passes. And we know that that's about three times as valuable as a carry. And so if the starter is down, and you're in some sort of committee, I want the pass catcher out of that committee. I also don't want to pay anything for you. So I'm willing to dig in the dirt and find all the players that everyone else would be embarrassed to start, Chris Rodriguez included. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, I'm going to go. Uh, well, Rocky, let's, let's go over to you. Um, is there somebody here that you have targeted at all this uh you know, non-point scoring season or somebody maybe that you think will be higher at this point next year? Uh, I don't know that I've targeted him that much because I have a decent amount of shares already, but uh guy I do think will be higher is Dobbins. I, I think that offense is going to be a lot different. <laughs> I I think he's coming off the, he's now going into the second year coming off the ACL which is always a huge deal. Uh, you see guys improve all the time. Uh, the first year is always a little rougher coming back. But even last year, I mean, he he played well. He just said uh, he did get re-injured. He had, you know, probably some sort of compensation injury. Uh, but I believe he averaged over, not that it's the best stat ever, but he averaged, I think, over five yards a carry when he was in there. And, and he had some really solid games towards the end of the year. And who knows, with Munkin, maybe they'll occasionally throw to a running back uh, once in a while. Uh, I just think we're going to see a lot out of Dobbins this year. And I, I haven't bought, like I said, I don't think I've bought a lot of them. I, I, I had, I was like, while you were talking uh, earlier in the show, I was looking up some of my shares. And I think I have, yeah, I have eight Dobbins shares already, which isn't a crazy amount over 30 seven or eight leagues but uh it's one of the higher uh, of, of the legit running backs he's like one of the high i think the highest rostered of any guy on him if you of starting running backs because you know i have like i have like 10 zach evans or whatever but uh <laughs> but uh yeah the only other guy that i think i have as many of it and if you he's basically old and, and decrepit at this point is james connor so <laughs> looking at my shares here so uh, yeah, I like him a lot. I think he will be higher, even though he will be, what, 25-ish after this year. Uh, I still think if he's coming off a big year and people aren't going to be too worried about the age yet, and I think he will be coming off a big year. Did you draft a lot of those shares, or did you trade for them? I think I probably traded for a lot of them. Uh, I don't 
tend to have uh, 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 probably about half my leagues every year. I don't have a first-round pick, so uh, that was probably the case that year. Uh, I'm sure I drafted a couple, but most of them I think were traded for. I couldn't tell you what, because like I said, I don't think many of them are recent trades. I, I've always liked Dobbins, uh, so I'm sure I did draft a couple shares. But uh, And I think I was buying some uh, on the dip when he got hurt as well, so. Yeah, I don't not was not a fan of Dobbins coming out, but I think there's enough uh, value there with the offensive changes. Tommy, what are your thoughts on Dobbins? And then if you want to jump into um, someone there you think will be valued higher or maybe somebody even you're targeting in some cases. Yeah, I get Twitter painted with Dobbins um, because <laughs> I've been picking him up for two years now. Uh, every time he gets hurt, I get more of him. <laughs> and that may be a losing strategy, but he's so cheap every time he gets hurt. I can't help myself. I mean, I love the way that he runs. I know he can catch the football. I know that offense is going to pass more. I know he's a good running back. And so I just keep buying in, uh, maybe to my detriment, but whatever. I, I love him. He's actually uh, my wife's favorite player, too. So. Every time. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's all fair then. Yes. You absolutely must roster a ton then. <laughs> fully exempt, fully exempt there. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. The player I've been picking up most, we've talked about a little bit, but it's Najee Harris. Not, how do you say it? Najee? Najee. 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 <laughs> Not Najee. Najee is the French porn star. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've become a fan of French. Counter goes to two, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Record night, folks. Oh, gosh. Um, I didn't think I was going to be saying that tonight. (laughs) No, I just, I think that he had a hurt foot, you know? ETN had a very similar injury the year before, and he was out for the year. But Harris is a, he's an Iron Man, and I don't get the plotter commentary. He's not the most explosive back, but you don't have to be the most explosive to be really effective. Um, And so the offensive line is improved. Pickett's in his second year, which nobody typically does well with a, uh, with a rookie quarterback, J Mike, I see over there. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just see a lot of opportunity. Uh, If we look at, you know, these top AFC running backs, there's some old guys on this list. There's no reason Najee can't be higher on this list next year. Yeah, for uh, before, sure. Before we go on, J. Mike had a question. In, yeah, in yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to jump to. See, you're all over it, Rocky. <laughs> you want to read it, Scott? Or? Yeah, so uh, for players like Dobbins, whose value are seemingly wholly dependent on how this season turns out, uh, like young but shaky, obviously injury issues, offensive system changes. How do you weigh trading for value versus riding this production forward? Um, and that's that's that question is over my pay grade, so I'm going to pass that over to Tommy. <laughs> I appreciate that. This is one of the benefits of being stupidly heavy on running backs is I have so many starts available to me that I don't necessarily need Dobbins. I just kind of like having Dobbins there because he's an opportunity to explode or he's an opportunity to tear up in season, assuming he's doing well. I am so much more likely to be starting Samaj P. Ryan than J.K. Dobbins. I'm so much more likely to find these consumable opportunities in my roster, in my lineup, 
than I am to use the actual running backs that have gained some sort of dynasty value. I'm super willing to trade those players because other people see certainty, uh, safety, confidence, um, something that makes them rest their head on their pillow at night and, and sleep well. I don't need that. If Jarrett Patterson is starting, I'd rather start him and trade away Dobbins for a first, you know? See, Tommy has the smart answer. If it, especially on this particular guy like Dobbins that I was, uh, I've been touting like ever since the season ended. It, I, I am so like more likely to just ride those points than than do probably the right thing and trade for value and tear down from him to to get something added on. I just, uh, but I, I I think what Tommy said makes a ton of sense and, and it's probably more right. It's more of a do do as Tommy says, not as I do. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think for me, it's just kind of, um, I mean, I most of my trades are based on either need or like roster balancing. Like, um, I just gave away a pick and share today in a draft, and they were just like, "What the hell's wrong with you? Like, you, you took him at like one eleven last year, and you just traded him for two oh two. Well, it's because my guy Dalton Kincaid was still on the board and a tight end premium at 202. So I would have traded him for 107. And I mean, I would have taken him at 107. So to me, I got 107 value. I don't care. Um, but if I had eight shares of Dobbins, for me, that's just too many. So I would look for opportunities to sell. Um, you know, I know J Mike's in a bunch of leagues. I don't know uh, exactly how many, but being in as many leagues as I'm in, I'm going to look to essentially do both. I know uh, it's probably not the answer you want because it doesn't really help you. But at the end of the day, that's really what I try to do in the portfolio approach, right? Is I'm going to acquire a bunch of shares, what I think is cheap, and then hopefully um, essentially take the profit on some, right? So like if I was able to pick them up cheap in, in a trade uh, and then I can sell for a value here, like whether it's later this summer, um, you know, early in the season, I will probably do that just to take my profits and then essentially let the rest ride. So to give an example, it's like I walk into a casino, I have a hundred bucks and I go play crabs and I put my money down on the pass line. I hit a couple and uh, I, I put my hundred bucks back in my pocket and now I just, I just play with my winnings. Right. So essentially that's what I'm trying to do with those shares um again i know that doesn't apply to everybody so it's not necessarily that helpful um but that's just how i do it so that's the example that i can give you um you know the the interesting thing well you know what i would say this uh so aj Dillon is a guy that i was acquiring pretty cheap and it wasn't necessarily injury related so i don't think he's necessarily in the same boat as um dobbins but I feel like at any point there, like if if uh, Aaron Jones had missed time or whatever, you know, his his value could have really skyrocketed. And then again, I would have done the same thing, you know, take the profit and then just ride out the production with whatever's left. Um, but I don't know, like Dobbins, to me, he's in that same class with Swift. Right. And and we saw everybody kind of sour on Swift with all the injuries. But then now all of a sudden people are like, oh, he's on the Eagles and I'm, I'm, you know, trading everything for him. And I'm looking at some of these trades going, what are you doing? Like, this is still swift. The guy can't stay healthy. 
Like, I don't know how big of a role he's going to have. Like, is he in a good offense? Yeah. Uh, how many yeah. running backs? Everybody just wants to have an eagle on their team. Scott. You know, I, I, that, that's a fair <laughs> point. That's a fair point. But Here's how many thing, how many running back targets are there in Philly? Like I, know, I, just, I don't understand. This is the same injury guy, but he went to a better situation, or so we think, or so we hope. I suppose. Honestly, so, I think he's going to be about the same guy. Right. Well, yeah, that's he's going to be who he is. What what's going to change about him? So that's that's my question with Dobbins. Right? Is uh, where where do we go from here? Like, is it just that one major injury that now he's just going to get over the hurdle and then he's going to be a really good player? I don't know. Was he really that good before? I'm not sure. I didn't love him. He was he was my RB five of those five in that class, the big five in that class. So um, I personally didn't love him. I don't know how much I would lean on that as we get further and further away. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just a running back for me. So I just kind of group them all together and I, I just care far less, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, there's a name on here that I want to ask you guys what you're doing with. So Joe Mixon, um, just kind of riding this wave of like, I need to dump this guy. Like he's getting old and he's really scored like 40% of his points in two games last year and, trying to get rid of him and then he has this uh off field stuff and then uh, I can't get rid of him now and then and then he doesn't have the off field stuff and then they don't take a running back real well I mean Chase Brown you know okay um but they they didn't really address it in a major way um and then you know and then the legal stuff comes back so now I just I don't know what I'm doing with this guy so is it is it one of those scenarios where you're just going to you're just going to dump him no matter what just to get him off your roster in the risk that he goes to a zero or are you going to say, no, he's on a good offense and, you know, I just I want a piece of that offense. Right. So, Rocky, on your contenders, are you willing to trade for Mixon? Because he's a he's a name I'm hearing from a lot of analysts right now. A lot of podcasts I listen to that they're they're saying you should buy for your contenders. Uh, yeah, I am. I can't remember. I think it was a trade addict league. I think I got him for like the the 205 and maybe another small piece. Uh to me, that's that's a bargain. Like like you said, I don't expect him to be like you know, scoring me eighteen to twenty points a game every week. That that's not Joe Mixon. But for the two hundred five, the guy I take at the two hundred five may never score me like a damn thing. So I mean, for my contenders, I'm willing to give up the two hundred five all day uh, for a guy who's going to be an RB two and occasionally pop off for RB one weeks. Uh, I, I've had teams where I've tried to move them, but like you said, everyone's trying to move them, and nobody really wants to pay more than something like the 205 for him. So at this point, uh, on most teams where I've been trying to sell them, I just kind of given up, and and I'll hope to do it in season. You know, maybe he pops off for one of those five touchdown games again, and uh, you can get at least something better than what you're getting now. Fair enough, Tommy. Yeah, so second round running backs with four hits have a 78% chance of being a top 24 running back again. That's really, really good odds. I have 0% shares of Mixon, and I think I might be wrong there. I think I might need to get some, assuming he is a starting running back. Um, He's a fantastic trade-down candidate. If you have Austin Eckler... You could trade down to Joe Mixon in August, assuming he's still on the roster, 
and get something pretty substantial back and yeah. probably have a very similar likelihood of hitting a top 24 or top 12 outcome. I think that there's there's something there. When everybody hates a player, you really need to dig in and, and see, is there a chance that he produces? What is that chance? What is the likelihood of the players in front of him? Why is this happening? Why don't people like him? Should I like him? Those are really valid questions. And I love that example of the tearing down for specifically from Eckler too, because uh, Scott kind of alluded to this earlier, but I, I definitely think he's a he's sort of an he's at RB nine because of his age. So he's not super high, but I do think he's another guy that's probably overvalued because I do think we're going to see a bit of a, a fall with the the change in offensive coordinator, um, and uh, you know they dra- not not that they're directly competing with each other, but they did draft a receiver, uh, so they have another weapon there. And I, but I mainly just because of the offensive philosophy change, I think we're not going to see nearly. Not that they're not going to throw it at Austin Eckler. If you have them, you're going to use him. But uh, I don't think it's going to be to the extent where he's like RB two, like he's been basically the last two years. So. Uh, I love that idea. Just for the hell of it. And as we, you know, our normal disclaimer, you know, trade calculators are not the end all be all, but just kind of throwing it in here to see what it looks like. So Austin Eckler for Joe Mixon and the 108, if you hadn't had your rookie draft already. Um, So the 108 and Mixon or Eckler. And I mean, to me, that's just not even close. I would absolutely be taking the pick side. Um, if you went to a 24 first, you know, you probably couldn't get Mixon and a 24 first, but I don't know. It depends. A lot could change now. Like you said, in August, right? Like somebody goes down or a situation changes or Zeke signs somewhere and screws somebody up. And now they're like, ah, I'm going to go buy Eckler because he's the only show in town and just trying to win a championship. You know, you, you might get a first on top of Mixon. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really interesting scenario. Um, Tommy, any others on here that you see as uh, good opportunities here to tear down? Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to provide one. I, I would love to hijack the show for a second if I could. Okay, do that. Cool. Um, I'm wondering in the AFC running backs that we've got here, which backup running backs are you targeting? And maybe even more interesting, at least for me, which third string running backs are you targeting? Awesome. Uh, I'll start because a couple jump out to me right away. Um, and seeing as how I've had a shitload of uh, technical term there, shitload of uh, rookie drafts so far. Um, Izzy Abanacanda, number one, people think he has essentially no path, no utility, whatever. I completely disagree. I think he's like the early down guy there. And, you know, it. they obviously took him because they valued him, right? They looked at their board and they said, okay, well, Oh, this, this, this guy's here when they took him. So um, I think he's a guy that you can get basically, well, I know he's a guy you can get for a third because that's essentially where he's going. Um, and he could earn the early down role. You know, Michael Carter, he's not a huge guy. So like, if you are just looking for like somebody I can plug in here, or there, maybe Hall's recovery takes longer uh, than expected, you know, whatever it may be. So it's a guy to me that jumps out because people think he doesn't have a path, um, but we know that changes so quickly with running backs. Um, another one here would be, um, I mean, the obvious, I, I think to me obvious 
is what they're doing in Denver there with bringing in Pirine. Like, I just think that's uh, when I picked my Scott Fishbowl division the other day and I was trying to figure out my spot. And so I, I looked at um, there was a, a mock draft. So I joined that and I looked at some of the players and Pirine was going and like, I forget what round I got him in. It was crazy late. And I was just like, huh, that's really interesting because I think he's probably going to be like not only the guy, but like the main guy for quite a while there. Um, I know they're talking about Javante being healthy and all that, but I don't know, man. Like Rocky and I, we uh, was that Junkies 2, our Junkies 2 Listener League. We have Javante and we were kind of talking about how he might not do much for us this year. Um, or, you know, maybe at the end of the season, which may not help us. So, uh, to me, yeah, P Ryan there, um, also another rookie in Tennessee, Tajay Spears, uh, change of pace guy, different offense now in Tennessee. Are they gonna, you know, run the hell out of Derrick Henry? Yes, they are. But again, Spears, a guy that, uh, I'm in a rookie draft. He just went right now and everybody was just going, wow, that's the latest I've seen him go. Uh, the 309 is where he went. I'd be happy to grab him at the 309. I don't care how many ACLs he has. Um, you give me two or three years there. Uh, uh yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and then I think the, another one that might be obvious, uh, it's certainly obvious for me, um, maybe not to everybody, but Miami, You've got the new hot name in, in the rookie A-chain, right? And then you've got all these rumors of, oh, Delvin Cook or, you know, whoever. It, it basically, anybody who might get traded or cut is rumored to Miami. Um, but how about, like, just Jeff Wilson, who's literally cost nothing? And uh, I've rode him to a few championships over the past uh, several years. So that's a guy where if he's cheap or free, um, I, I know that's those are the guys you love, Tommy. So I, I like that. <laughs> Rocky, what do you think? you have any names? Yeah, I was looking. I mentioned earlier a guy that I've gotten a lot of rookie drafts is, is Zach Evans. Uh, he's a former sort of Debbie darling. Uh, they don't. It's not a great offense, but they don't have much there besides Cam Akers, and I'm not a big believer in Cam Akers at this point. Uh, and obviously injury, he he could be he could get the entire workload pretty much. Um, Another one that popped to mind for that very reason too is is uh, Jalen Warren, because we know in Pittsburgh, it, it, you know, Tomlin loves to give like ninety percent of the work to one guy. So if Najee if Najee does not get hurt, it, Warren will still be mixed in, but not really be fantasy relevant. But if Najee does get hurt, uh, Jalen Warren could have a massive work. To, to, to your point, uh, Tommy, he'll, he'll have those clarified starts. So uh, he was another name that popped out to me. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have any third string running backs for you, Tommy, but uh, <laughs> I, couldn't, I didn't have anyone. But the other one, I, and this is largely on, on the back of, um, and maybe this guy counts as a third stringer, uh, on the back of uh, Zach, J. Mike's guy, Zach Reed. Uh, Eric Gray is a guy he likes a lot. And there's, you know, there's not much behind Saquon uh, in New York. Uh, I think Matt Breed is still there. Uh, but so that's why I was saying maybe Gray's the third string back, but uh, that that's another interesting name to me, and he's a guy I've definitely gotten uh, very late in some rookie drafts in, in the NFC. But thanks for following the. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know we were yeah. just doing AFC. I thought Please. he was just talking about saying, "Yeah, my, that's my yeah. bad, my bad." Well, no, that's fair. Um, you just I talk about just it next at... week, and it'll be like it never happened. It's okay. 
Um, but no, now that you know, I did give talking, one AFC guy. Yeah, that's good. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. It's it's your show, so you know. All right. And uh, not to mention, you took like five names before. No, I, I know, and I'm going to give you more because I got I got yeah. more coming here. So uh, I just want to give you a chance to talk because I mean I'm a nice guy, right? Um, <laughs> and it is your show. Uh, but Mike Boone, okay, he's uh, he's in Houston. You know the old Denver Mike Boone guy there. Um, Devin Singletary is certainly not impressive in any way whatsoever. Damian Pierce didn't catch a ton of passes. Um, Mike Boone is a guy who might even get the third down roll. Uh, you know, but that that's a dude that I like there. Um, Xavier Valade as well is on the Houston roster. He's an undrafted guy. Um, you know, uh, you know, guy out of college that I like, so could find his way in there eventually to see if he makes a team. The best part about those guys is they're free. Yep. And then if they don't make the team, you just cut them and then you got a roster spot to add somebody else. So like, that's, that's my, actually my favorite part about them is they're either going to make the roster and they'll be on my roster or they won't. And, and they won't. So yeah, that's that. I got a few what, more ugly ones. If we, if we want to take even deeper. I, get yeah, ugly. I just had one more I was going to give because he is in the AFC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You, I, check, you checked. All right. Thank I you. did check. Uh, okay, I double checked. Um, right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even know if he if he qualifies as a backup, but he's RB forty four in DLF ADP, um, and I think he's dirt cheap. Would be Damian Harris from the. Oh Rams. yeah. Um, yep. And love I, it. I, I, nobody's really like thinking about him, and it's not someone I'm going to go out and inquire on his own. But I would love to get him like thrown into a to a bigger deal because uh, he could score a. A bunch of points this year, especially if Josh Allen does not run ten to twelve touchdowns in this year. Um, Damian Harris could steal a lot of those touchdowns. So, totally love it. There's a layup in Gus Edwards. Um, big sure. bruiser, shared time. One one player I'm interested in is uh, Naeem Hines. Um, mm-hmm. If they build out a role for James Cook, and we're assuming that at least half of the top twenty four running backs are going to miss four more games. Right. There's going to be a built-out role for Naeem Hines. Okay. So there's okay. one that I like. Um, Tony Jones followed Sean Payton to Denver. Ah. He's a decent runner. He's just apparently kind of an a-hole. So <laughs> I'm interested in that. I mean, a-holes can be on my team. They don't take fantasy points away for being an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last one I want to point out, everybody hates him. This is a first-round pick. CEH, he's oh, free yeah. he's everywhere. Free. He's free. I've been getting him and just being okay if I get mediocre production for three weeks this year. He's actually, he's not even free. Uh, you have to give away a third round pick for someone to take him because that's the <laughs> offer that I got in Tech Mobile when I tried to add him to a trade. They said, no, no, no. If you want me to take CEH, you're going to need to add a third or just take him off the trade. I was like, <laughs> so... Yeah, less than free. You get paid to take him, take up a roster spot. So I love that. Um, and uh, while, while we're on it, Daneric Prince, uh, you got Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City there. Um, how about another undrafted running back who comes in and runs hard? Daneric Prince is a guy that, again, if he makes the roster, there you go. Uh, if not, you just you just cut him, man. So love it. Yeah, we man, we we got ugly on this i love that i love that tommy that's a great way to do it we are going to now do that for every one of these (laughs) no doubt or at least i will do it uh you know just 
just for Tommy. We'll call it the Tommy segment. <laughs> Getting ugly, and and we'll give you some names because I I think that's uh, I mean honestly I do it, so I don't see why we why we wouldn't talk about it. To be honest with you. Oh yeah, and uh, Puff Pass Kick. Thank you for pointing out that uh, Samaj P Ryan is the NFL's other French porn star. So okay. yes, that the original, the original, really. Yeah. <laughs> not bad not bad all right anything else you guys have on these uh afc running backs before we jump into find me a trade i think we, i think we need to get into find me we killed it we, so. we're going we're going really long here yeah, let's do yeah, it. we're all right we're all right we'll be hour 30 yeah that's, but we're that's gonna our, that's our money we're, we're right gonna there. do find me a trade for like 90 baby. Half hour. let's go <laughs> okay find me a trade submitted by matthew at matthew 90 er on twitter that is his official twitter handle by the wait, way wait wait wait, wait. scott uh, find me a trade okay now you can thank go. you mr <laughs> brian har we appreciate you as always uh let's see do you i have his roster pulled up if you want to do the settings settings uh yeah 12 team ppr 2.0 tight end premium super flex uh qb two running backs three wide receivers tight end three flex super flex so start 11 uh did not go in depth with his thoughts here just asked looking to improve my team maybe add more depth we sometimes people will give us like three paragraphs and he gives us two sentences i love it thank you Matthew. <laughs> i did had to read less so i appreciate you <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, you have the roster up there. Scott? I do. Okay, so quarterback group here: Dak Prescott, Jimmy G, Malik Willis, Andy Dalton, Bryce Young, Jaron Hall. Running backs: Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Kyron Williams, Isaiah Pacheco. Wide receivers: Trey Tucker, Charlie Jones, Stephon Diggs, Tim Patrick, Jacoby Myers, Greg Dortch, Darius Slayton, Brandon Ayuk, Darnell Mooney. Rondale Moore, Romeo Dubs, Khalil Shakir, Alec Pierce. Tight end group, Will Mallory, Gerald Everett, Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith, Zach Kuntz. And doesn't look like much in the way of 24 and 25 picks there. Just a couple of fourths and a third. So not a lot of future capital from that uh, standpoint. So, um, Rocky, do you want to start us off with your trade? Okay. okay yeah i'll start this was uh, i was talking with tommy before the before the show uh this was rough for me like I, the team is very weird it's very kind of a middling team uh and it might make sense to kind of go more rebuildy uh with it but he i tried to more do what he asked for and look to improve his team maybe add more depth um so and I put all kinds of qualifiers. I had such a hard time finding a trade for this team because like, even with some of the stuff, like the, I, I had some idea. I, I wanted to move one of his running backs. Cause I think he's got like five startable running backs and he doesn't really need five startable running backs. Uh, and I, I just had trouble finding matches. Like I, I couldn't find a team that synced up well enough with what it, like, you know, to try and get a receiver for him or add a couple pieces for him. So, uh, I put Ramondre or Power, whatever the other the other uh, manager uh, values more. And this was to Team uh, Beplin, I think it says here, B E P L I N, the last one here. Uh, and uh, 
he has DJ DJ Moore, Hollywood, and Godwin. So uh, I I kind of those are kind of they're kind of all in the same kind of bucket to me. Uh, so I, I was going to grab one of those receivers uh, and AJ Dillon, maybe add a small piece if you need to, but I'm not sure that you do. Um, but what do you think? I, I was basically just trying to do his depth thing. I was leaning more into trying to compete this year. Uh, I could definitely see going the other way with it, uh, with his team. Um, but be- he would have to basically sell off everything, I think, maybe for picks if he's going to do that. And he doesn't have his own first, which makes it a little more uh, difficult uh, for some people to, to even want to try that. So uh, so I think he gets some decent points here. I like all three of those guys. Of those three receivers, I probably prefer uh, DJ Moore, but uh, – it, it's it they're kind of all similar to me yeah i'll give i'll give my thoughts before we throw it over to tommy um i mean i i like the you know <clears throat> I, I mean in principle i like the moving running back for one of those receivers um and i think it makes sense long term as well uh probably you know depth is important with this with the start 11 um, so, I mean, I'll have some further questions here, uh, when, when I get to my trade, but essentially, you know, I like the thought process of, uh, essentially tearing down, like we talked about earlier and picking up that wide receiver. So I, I think that that makes sense, uh, yeah, and Matthew, in, in a general philosophy with a start 11. And Matthew doesn't really have much at receiver after Iuk. He's got like Mooney and Jacoby Myers. Th- there's a lot of volume, yeah. not a lot of substance. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, Tommy, go ahead, give us give us your thoughts on that, and then you can jump into yours. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad trade. Um, the challenge is you don't have your first next year or the year after Matthew, and so you're in a bit of a bind. Um, those three receivers, Hollywood, Godwin, DJ Moore, they all have quarterback questions. Um, and so I'm not sure you're going to get the points that you need to dig yourself out of this lower third that you may end up in from a point scoring perspective. That doesn't mean all hope is lost, but I think there's a little bit of work done here, um, to become a contender because rebuilding currently isn't an option because someone else has your first round picks. Um, I went a, a similar route to be honest with you with my trades, um, instead of going for depth, I would recommend running up the warp curve. So wins over replacement, because you need to find ways to be dramatically better at certain positions. Um, Cause you don't have the luxury of waiting for your team to get better um, and having high picks next year. You need to find a way to dramatically shift your team in a new direction. Um, And so that could be using replacement level players in certain positions and having elite players at the positions that matter. Um, And so when I think of elite players, the first place I want to go is tight end in this format. Um, It feels like the most accessible from trades that I've seen done that I've performed this off season. Um, And so my first of two trade offers are uh, Ramondre and Tony Pollard for Mark Andrews and James Conner. I think that running back is a tough position to predict, and there's a possibility that Conner could get close to pacing one of those running backs. 
And then you can fill in with backup running backs um, to help supplement and get, again, somewhere in the ballpark of, of those two running backs. And then you'd have a distinct premium advantage with Mark Andrews. I'm not sure if this gets done, but I think it's a really good starting point um, in negotiations with Salt Goes. Uh, I, I think that that could possibly happen. I'm going to pause here and ask what you think about that trade, Scott. Yeah, exactly. Um, I this is one of those cases where I'm I generally don't um, I generally don't look at the other trades on the sheet, but I happened to tonight because I was putting mine in late after a, a long day here. So, um, and I essentially came up with the, the was my first trade was trading for Andrews. So I love that we're on the same wavelength there. Um, uh, you know that. I ended up flipping my trade to another one that I had in mind. So uh, we could kind of differentiate here, especially since your two trades were so similar um, or at least similar players. So yeah, going after Andrews, getting that elite player in a full point premium for the tight end. I mean, I think that's so crucial and, and I like Goddard and I feel like he's in that, that next tier, like he's sufficient, but he's not an advantage, right? So like he's, he's very consistent. He's giving you the points. Um, but he's, you know, when you go up against Kelsey and Andrews and, you know, like 38% of the time against Kittle um, and, you know, some of those guys, you're locking yourself in for a loss there at that position. Um, Goddard is still very consistent. I still like him as one of those guys. But if you could pair Andrews and Goddard together, I now I really like that because I think you could even uh, flex one of those guys if you need to. Um, again, start 11 full premium full point premium for tight ends i think that's a, a very prudent move now the challenge is that andrews is probably going to be massively overvalued in that uh format so it may be hard to get done but i think those are two running backs that uh are in a real good spot right now and hold good value so um i think you're absolutely right it's a great starting point uh and your next trade is very interesting too so i'll let you do that one real quick yeah, so I wanted to listen to you, Matthew. And if one of these trades gets done and it's one of mine, I'd like I'd like you to DM me and we can workshop your Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to listen to you, man. Um, I wanted to give you a trade that provided depth. And so I still have you trading away Tony Pollard. Um, but in this case, you would be getting back uh, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, and Tyler Algier. The reason being, Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is undervalued. I think that somebody who gets 145 targets every year should be valued higher um, because touchdown variance is a fickle thing, and it could swing dramatically in a different direction year over year. I know that training camp reports or mini camp reports um, coming out from Denver saying Sutton, he looks a little bit more explosive you're getting him as a throw in here to build out depth because this is a pretty deep starting lineup. And then Algier is, in my opinion, a premium injury away starting running back. If knock on wood, something happens to Bijan, we know that Algier can tote the rock. We know that he can get it done to the tune of 1200 yards. Yeah, no doubt. He's a, he's a player I like to pick up right now too, because he's essentially getting thrown by the wayside, but we know what happens at that position. And I mean, he's a phenomenal replacement um, uh, and we've seen him do it in the offense. So it makes perfect sense to me. 
Um, Rocky, let's get your thoughts on those two trades, uh, and then I'll jump into mine. Yeah, I'm on the first one. I was kind of where you were, Scott. That uh, the only worry would I, I love it if you can get it done. The only worry is that uh, Andrews is going to be super overvalued in a 2.0 premium. But uh, I think those two running backs are pretty highly valued right now as well. And Connor is kind of not. <laughs> so um, I, I do kind of like that. And I do think Connor could uh, could get you a fair amount of points this year. Uh, it's not going to be a great offense without Kyler, but uh, he's basically the the only real show in town. So uh, and I really like the other trade because, again, the Deontay Sutton, especially like nobody wants those guys anymore. Uh, so, uh, and I, I'm not, I'm, I was, I was a huge believer in Sutton going into last year and I yeah. pretty much that boat sailed for me uh, as well as for everyone else. Um, but it's still, you know, with Peyton, you never know. Uh, and Deontay, I've always been on the Deontay train and, and, uh, Tommy said it, I mean, 140 targets year after year is no fluke targets are earned. And uh, he, he could just as easily score eight, nine, ten touchdowns this year. So uh, I like both of them. I think you probably have a better chance of getting the, the Pollard one by itself uh, to, you know, tearing down for the depth done. Um, but if you can get the other one done, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That that makes sense. All right. So, all right, Matthew, here's, here's the deal. Uh, I'm looking at your roster, and it is a start 11. So I'm I'm thinking my initial thoughts after reviewing was it brought me back to uh, maybe my first start 11 league uh, where I was kind of going like, oh, it's all about the depth. I got to have depth. Uh, I got to fill a lot of positions here. Um, you know, I got to have a ton of depth. And so I'm I'm speaking from experience when I essentially ask some of these questions. But basically, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you don't have any future picks. Um and also i don't see any elite players like at any position so i guess that's where my curiosity is like i i'd like to see you know what you use those picks on and and how you got to this point um because like i said i essentially did the same thing uh when i first started doing some of these deeper um you know lineups and i felt like having all that depth was worth it but at the end of the day it uh, I mean, you do have to have depth, but you can pretty much say that about any any league for the most part. So you still have to have at least some positional advantage somewhere. Um, plus, if I look at it and I go, I don't have any future capital. And if we have to start three wide receivers, I mean, OK, Stefan Diggs, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I have no idea who your third receiver is, you know, maybe Jacoby Myers uh maybe mooney alec pierce i don't i don't know so like there's a there's a big drop off right there for i see what you're trying to do here just grabbing all these guys and hoping you can fill in but you know as tommy alluded to earlier tonight it just it's so hard to figure out when to start those guys you know which week is rondale Moore going to go off which week is it going to be slayton which week is it going to be uh, Alec Pierce, right? It's it's just it's too difficult to figure that out. So ideally, I'd like to kind of consolidate those receivers. Maybe you can turn them into some future capital, try to recoup some of that. Um, and so, like I mentioned, my first trade was to upgrade your your tight end in this 2.0 tight end, and uh, I pivoted away because otherwise we'd have three of the, almost the very same trade. Um, 
so what I did is uh, the the team there as well. So it goes um, when I look at Dak and Bryce Young and Jimmy G, what I think is safe. You know, I just think those are like, hey, here's three guys. I can just, you know, play the matchups. I can plug these guys in. They're here every week. And there's something to be said for that. But I, there's no uh, there's no real rushing upside there. There's no um, none of these guys are. I mean, obviously, Jimmy G's not Dak. We basically know what he is at this point. Hopefully he gets a little rushing back, you know, may, maybe not. Um, and Bryce Young just isn't going to do it. So I'm going to try to go after one of these. Uh, essentially what Rocky was doing last year with going after Hertz. And I'm going to try to do that with Justin Fields. So. My trade here is to trade Bryce Young, you know, kind of the advantage of uh, the hype and the youth and Derrick Henry as well. So Bryce Young and Derrick Henry for Justin Fields. And it might just have to be that. I mean, you could try adding a second. Uh, Maybe you can uh, get some sort of future capital. I'm trying to get you future capital, basically. Um, But Young and Henry for Fields, basically. I, I just want a difference maker. I want some upside. Uh, so while depth is important, you still have to have those players that can go win you a week, that can go score you a bunch of points and make up for, you know, the third wide receiver or the flex or, you know, the the tight end spot that that isn't going to win you every week or give you that positional advantage. Um, so, Rocky, I'll circle back to you here. And then, Tommy, you guys give us quick thoughts and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not generally in favor. To me, the difference between Hertz and Fields is I think Fields has already kind of been elevated, um, based off what he did last year. Uh, you know, because he was not a great passer last year, but he scored a bunch of fantasy points. (laughs) Uh, but he scored a bunch of fantasy points last year with his rushing ability, and I think he's. And not that Hertz didn't do that two years ago, but I still feel like he's been a little elevated more than than even Hertz was two years ago. Um, I think what you're offering is pretty fair. I just I I don't know if I I don't know if I trust Fields enough to wanted to give up the two pieces for him. That's that's my only. Thing. Yeah, but I mean, you, I, you have Dak and Jimmy G. So I mean, you, what are you falling back on? Like you you have the perfect quarterbacks to fall back on if it doesn't work out. You know, like those this guys are. And, and Henry's going to be off a cliff after this year too, as well. So yeah, well, right, you're right. Like this is your last chance to sort of wring some some value out of Derrick Henry. Yeah, well, that's why I'm trying to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you, <laughs> yeah, Scott. Okay, yes, I, I'm saying yes. I, I see what you're saying. I'm saying that yeah, uh, I, I can kind of go along with that part. Yes. Got it. All right, Tommy. Yeah, counterpoint to that. Someone else has my first, so screw them. You know, I'm going to get as many points as I can. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm I'm going to try to peacock and present that I am going to contend this year to try to devalue my first, so that I can either acquire it or I'm in a position to potentially get lucky. Because I'm not only out my first next year, I'm out my 25 first, and so I, I like the idea of a big swing. Fields isn't my cup of tea, but I get where you're going, and I like He's not that. mine either. I was just trying yeah. to play the, the echo chamber. No, totally. Um, no, it is. I mean, I think you could flip Fields in 
you know, July or August and probably do better than what you're offering today. Yeah. Rookie quarterbacks aren't going to do much uh, traditionally in terms of scoring points in their first year. And so you're handing your competition a gift by giving them your first and then taking a rookie quarterback. You're, you're essentially forcing yourself into a rebuild and giving someone else the benefit of that rebuild. And so I would show them one of my fingers and I would say, Hey, I'm going for this thing. Derek Henry, guess what? He's staying on my TV. He's going to score a buttload of points and I'm going to go get another old quarterback and I'm going to tear down and I'm going to get a bunch of really old players and I'm going to have the 109, not the 102, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, there's definitely done that before. So I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get this thing wrapped up here. Um, awesome night, Matthew, let us, let us know how it goes. Feel free to reach out, see, uh, how else we can help you there. Um, keep those submissions coming. Definitely need those, uh, you know, always, always fun, always good to choose between different ones here and get some differing opinions. Plus our guests always adds that flavor to it. So, you know, it's great. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's see, Tommy, appreciate having you on again. Just uh, why don't you give your handle and let people know where to reach out to you for some uh, incredible strategy conversation. Yeah, at FF Tommy B on Twitter. Um, I'd love it if you got into the Scott Fishbowl, if you join me in the Pringles division, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait for it. I'm in the 102s as well. So if you're in that chat, I look forward to hitting you up for some strategy. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Rocky, what division are you in? I haven't picked a division yet. So you haven't picked I, one yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go All look. And All I right. Haven't so even, I haven't even thought about it yet. Really. I, I need to go onto the site and pick something out. Have you picked gotcha. one, Scott? Uh, I have. I have. Uh, I I went with. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, yeah. My buddy works there. And I don't know if you guys have seen the shirts. Uh, but the logos, they they incorporate like the Roots Chris logo, but it's Scott Fish on there. So like the shirts are amazing. And uh, I just thought it was cool. So uh, that's what I'm going to do there. And I, you yeah. know what? I took the 101 because I'm sick of all the crap I had to deal with last year. And I'm annoyed and I'm just going to take my homes and just tell everybody to shove it. So I don't care about the third round reversal. That's what I'm doing there. It's I haven't picked yet, but since it's food related and my food takes are trash. Yeah, I know. What are you gonna pick? Be a horrible division. Yeah, that's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really concerned for you there, Rocky. Like we may need to consult. You know, their like, chicken figures division. So yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. But there are there are candies and sodas. So okay, you know, I mean, maybe you could you could do something with that. There might be, you know, like. Uh, Shirley Temple's on there. I don't know. Maybe you could <laughs> do something like that. Dino Nuggets. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, wrap this up and get out of here. Uh, you could follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies. Follow Rocky at Dynasty FF Addict. I'm at Scott underscore Sidlow. Errors and omissions. Go to at Andrew Hall FF. Uh, he did get his handle read, but it's because you're supposed to yell at him for anything we screwed up tonight. And DAP Network, at DAP Network, uh, you can find us also on YouTube. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate that very much. Uh, we had way more reviews than I thought because we looked the other day, and we appreciate you guys. So that's awesome. Yes. And, um, yeah, so thank you for that. Thank you for the submission tonight, Matthew. Uh, appreciate you. 
And Rocky, you want to take us out of here? Sure. As always, uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to the chat. It was really popping tonight, more so than usual. Uh, Ridley Truther in there. Of course, J Mike with the J Mike. Counting the French porn star references for us. Um, uh, Puff Pass Kick, Gator J. Gator. At the end here. So this is a, it was really fun seeing all your comments. Uh, we Couple really on new names too. So we appreciate that. Yes. We really appreciate you guys uh, watching and commenting along. Uh, but other than that, I guess uh, for, I want to thank Tommy for coming on uh, for, for Tommy, for, for Scott and for myself. Junkies out.